Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I feel very blessed today to have a special guest in studio. This is Chef Lee Franklin from A Taste of New Orleans. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. We've been we've been trying to schedule this for for several weeks and finally are making it happen. Chef Lee, thank you so much for joining the show. Appreciate you inviting me. Of course. I, I absolutely needed to. Um, <laughs> so to give a quick background, you were born and raised in the 7th Ward of New Orleans. You grew up cooking Cajun food with your mom and grandmother, and then you ended up moving to Omaha when Hurricane Katrina hit back in the mid-2000s. Correct. I want to get more into your background, and we're going to, but I think okay. first it's important to kind of establish – what a taste of New Orleans is and kind of your style of cooking. So I guess I just want to kind of lead off with kind of an open-ended question to you. What defines, on your website, um, a taste of New Orleans is defined as authentic Cajun and Creole cuisine. To you, like, what does that mean? I just mean food cooked from the soul, you know, cool. You Like, you, you feel it when you're cooking it. It's recipes that have been handed down from my grandmother to my mom, and I pass it on to my family members, and so it's just cooking from the heart. To I me, mean, that's, what, that's what Cajun, Creole, soul food all is, just cooking food with passion and with emotion and really caring about what, what, what you're doing. Now, I know, obviously, the restaurant industry, and you've spent a lot of uh, – a lot of your time in a food truck, you know, well, that's not so much the case anymore. We'll get into that. But like, Correct. that that's a really hard lifestyle. It requires a lot of hours, a lot of odd hours. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a lot of work and a lot of stress. Does it help to have kind of that, that cooking from the soul mentality where you're not just cooking, you know, recipes or things that you've come up with or things that, you know, you've seen other people do, but this is like a part of who you are. And this is, right. you know, th- this is your family basically. Right, right. Correct. So it's not, when you cook it from the heart, it's like when things not going the way you want to go, you, you're not, you're not so easy to give up and quit. You know, I had a lot of guys I started off with and they, for whatever reason, they stopped, you know, but when you, when you're doing it from the heart and it's your passion, you're just going to find a way to, to keep going, you know. It ain't always easy, but you just keep going and figure it out as you go. Right. So Now, there's something that I'm really curious about and I want to ask you, and that I feel like Cajun and Creole cuisine just so often get lumped together, and they're kind of viewed as like synonymous terms to a lot mm-hmm. of people, and they're just, you know, interchanged for one another. But they are different. Can you right. kind of lay out to me what the differences between the two are? Well, from my understanding, like Creole cooking is more – was the French descendants that moved to New Orleans, more uh, – Creole is more fancy than me. When you get into your etouffees, <laughs> yeah. and you know, it's a little more fancy. And Cajun is just uh, was originally from different parts of Louisiana, so that's my difference from it. Like Creole came in from 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 French descendants that settled in Louisiana, and the Cajun was people that was was the uh, was already born and raised like in the in the bayou areas around the swamps and all that. So when you mix the Cajun and the Creole together, you, you got something you can't find nowhere else. You know, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, there's a quote on a Taste of New Orleans website and that you want to embody New Orleans culture in every dish that we serve. How do you achieve that? Uh, the, by putting my passion into it. Like every, every dish that come out of there, it, it's cooked with love, emotion, and uh, and if it's not right, we start it all over. You know? I just don't let anything go out of there. So it's like we, we take pride in what we put out. Because, you know, we put love into to, to the recipes and to the cooking. And even as I train my cooks and chefs that's from here, I emphasize to them how important it is about taking pride in what we put out. And if it's not right, no problem with wasting, you know, starting all over. Never put out a product that's not what we stand, stand behind. One of the things that I 
find just really special whenever I have Cajun or Creole food is that there's like a togetherness that comes with it. Like I can't even imagine, you know, eating like a, and I'm sure people do this, but you know, just like eating a po'boy by myself or something. Like when I think of Cajun food, I think like a giant crawfish boil, or uh-huh. you know, people getting together, like going to a food truck rally, and everybody's getting a bunch of Cajun food and everything. Right. Why do you think? Like, what is it about that those cuisines that kind of engenders this like shared feeling? Like you want to be around people when you eat that food. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because you're cooking with love, you know, and like uh, Southern people you know, from, from not, and and there's people all over the world that has hospitality, but it's like it's nothing like Southern hospitality. Right it's down south, you know, every, it's just real friendly and welcoming, you know, and so that's what I think it is. It's just it's just more passion and love into the cooking, you know. Uh, speaking of that, you learned to cook from your mother and your grandmother um, growing up down in uh, New Orleans. Right. When did you realize that cooking was something that you loved and you really enjoyed doing? I had to say when I started dating, you know, when I seen how, how when I cooked <laughs> for, for, for my girlfriend, how much they loved it, I think that just made me get into it more and I took more pride in it when I was, you know, because I always had to cook for my, uh, my, my siblings when I was growing up, but it was just cooking out of responsibility. So when I started dating and you just see people that's happy and, and really appreciate your, your talent and make you want to hone into it more. So I think once I got in I think this, my junior year in high school, that's when I had my first girlfriend and when I cooked some jambalaya for her and she was bragging about how good it was and like it's better than her mom's. And that's when it really started ringing in my ear. Like this is, this is something I could really pursue, you know? So how did you pursue it? Uh, just cooking more. I never, I never took a, I never did it for uh, a living until I moved out here. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I went to school to, and I graduated. I went to college for two years and that didn't work out. And took a couple of odd jobs around the city. And after Katrina hit, when I moved up here, I was working at uh, Creighton University. So I, I I went around to a lot of different restaurants. Like uh, Jazz was open. Uh, and there was another one out in Bellevue, but I forgot the name of it. And when I tried it, I mean, it was good, but I knew it wasn't like what we had back in New Orleans. So that's what had me thinking, like, maybe I can do something up here and give them a real taste of New Orleans and, and see how it go. And it took me a while to get everything together. But like I said, I started off, bought an old Snap-on tool truck, you know, had somebody help me gut it out and rebuild it. And it took about three years. And, and once we came out, that was all it took. And we're going to get more into that, trust me. We will. But... I need to know, like, so you're in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and then Hurricane Katrina hits, and obviously just, you know, devastating. So many people were forced to relocate. Mm-hmm. How did you end up in Omaha? Well, actually, I was, when the storm hit, I was actually in service, uh, I was serving a, a 70-month federal sentence. I was in uh, FCI Yazoo City. I had, uh, I had I w- before I got into cooking, I, had, you know, went off until, took, took the wrong path for a few years, and I actually, uh, had caught a case. The case actually happened in 1998, but they didn't pick me up until 2001. And I was actually in electrical school, and I just came back to Harmony for whatever reason. But just to show everything worked out for a reason. So once I, I went to prison for that, uh, I, was try, I wanted to take electrical. That's what I was in school. I was an electrical apprentice for the, for the union in New Orleans, but they didn't have that program. I, I mean, I always knew how to cook, but during my sentence, I didn't want to waste any time. I wanted to try to learn whatever I could learn in there. And all they had was uh, culinary arts, some type of wood classes. So I, I took the culinary arts up in there, and every time I cooked, it was, it was like eight of us in the class, and every time we cooked, each one of us got, got a day where we did the special for the day. We cooked for the uh, 
for the corrections office in, in a facility. And, and the first time I cooked my food, it was such a good, uh, I got so much good feedback from it. It just made me, you know, hone into it. And I really realized that I had a special, you know, a, a special gift. So, and that would make me focus on culinary and wasn't really sure. I thought, at that time, I thought I was going back to New Orleans. So I was planning on going home, open a restaurant in New Orleans. But unfortunately, I could say unfortunate, but Hurricane Katrina hitting it, that changed up all the plans. So uh, my brother was in the, he was in the uh, Air Force out here. And my mom came up here first. And I was released in December, but couldn't go back to New Orleans. You know, everything was still shut down. So they convinced me to come to Omaha. And actually, it was the best decision I made. I had a chance to go to Omaha, come up here, or go to California by another uh, cousin of mine. But for whatever reason, I came to Omaha and fell in love with it. So especially like, once I tasted the food, and I knew I had a chance to do something big out here. Uh, when I worked at Creighton University, they would always let me spotlight different dishes and and the students at Creighton took a big following, took a big liking to me. So, and that was, that was actually my first following when I started the food truck. I, I went back on campus, told the kids I was starting a food truck, and and to this day, I still got kids that went to Creighton, got their own business careers, and they still come back. They remember me when I started at Creighton, you know. So, so that's how I ended up in Omaha. Now, I just have to point out, this isn't even a question or anything, but I, I just love it in that you keep coming back to like the reason that you are getting into cooking, the reason that you like cooking is you just love making people happy. Like it started off, you were making, you know, your girlfriends happy and their mom happy. And then you're making the officers happy. And then you're making the Creighton students happy. And like, that's what keeps bringing you back to this. And that's what brings you joy. And I think that's how you survive in this industry is that it's not going to usually be a huge money-making business. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's very stressful, very crazy schedule and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But when you see just that reaction right. that people can have, that's what mm-hmm. really connects that's you, and that's you what going. keeps bringing you right. back to the truck every single day. I couldn't agree with you more on that, because even on bad days, I just think of the people that look forward to seeing, and that's what keeps me going, you know? That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned when you came to Omaha, um, you sampled a couple different uh, restaurants that kind of um, that categorize themselves as Cajun or Creole cuisine. Mm-hmm. And you said that they were good, but they weren't quite what you were used to back home. Right. Without, you know, we don't need to name any names or, you know, say anything bad about anyone. But what were those places missing that you thought you could bring to the scene? You're just missing love and the passion. A lot of people think Cajun Creole food is just putting pepper and hot sauce, making it spicy. But it, <laughs> it's layers of flavor to it, you know. So it's, it's, it's something that you, you, could, you can be taught and, and you can teach anybody how to cook. But like I said, most people think it's, it's just spicy food. So if they put cayenne, pepper, hot sauce, they're thinking that's uh, Creole Cajun food. But it's, it's, it's you shouldn't just taste heat. You, can literally, you should literally taste the layers of the flavor, you know. You can taste the heat. You can taste the, the uh, salt. The, the, you know, this, it's all just mixed in together. Trying to figure out the right way to phrase this. I, I don't think offensive is the right word, but is it like, is it almost kind of offensive to you? Like, as someone who grew up having this cuisine and it's so special to you and it's such a you know important part of your family to see, and not even talking about any of the restaurants you named or anything, but to see restaurants label themselves as Cajun and they're just dumping a bunch of hot sauce or dumping mm-hmm. a bunch of Cajun seasoning on something, mm-hmm. does that like... I don't know. Does that like make you mad a little bit, or does it no, disappoint you? No, it don't disappoint me. I I kind of like it because it, it shows that people all over are trying to recreate New Orleans cuisine. So mm, it's like okay. they're trying; they just might not know the right way to do it. So, and actually, that, that was well, I've been up here what sixteen years, I believe now. So now it's a it's a it's a few restaurants that I tried. I, I love to go to like uh. 
Arcadian Grill, they're good. Right. Uh, uh, what's that one? Uh, it's in like Zarbin. Herb Saint. Herb Saint. I tried. The only one I haven't been to yet is uh, oh, it's it's, an, it's it's been around for a while. Mouth of the South. I like Mouth of the South too. I haven't been to the new one, but I went to it when it was on uh on Seventy Second. Right. Yeah, they've moved a couple times. Oh, I said no, I can't think of the name of it. No, it might be Herb, Herb Saint is in Exarbon. Yes, That's the one I'm yes, talking yes, about. Yes, Herb yes. Saint, the owner of Herb Saint, he actually sent his chef to New Orleans to train. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, so I did a, uh, did an interview with Michael Severe a few years ago, and he was telling me about the guy was actually in New Orleans training right now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he, he they're going to have it going on. Yeah, man. he knows you know, what's he, up. He, he went down there and, and seen firsthand, you know, so – but those are two of my, 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 that's my top spots to go to when I want to eat my own cooking. And I would very much agree with you. If I want Cajun food and I'm not going to go to Taste in New Orleans, which mm-hmm. is hard not to do because I only live like five minutes away, right. those two spots are both great options, oh, yeah. Acadian Grill yeah. and Herb Saint. But getting back to you, mm-hmm. so you come up here and you realize there's not quite that legit, authentic New Orleans spot that – that you are that you are looking for, and you, and you think that you have the ability to bring that to Omaha. Yes, what what are the first steps that you take in terms of figuring out, you know, am, do I open a restaurant? How do I open a restaurant? Mm-hmm. How did you end up with a food truck? Like, what happened next? Well, when I was uh, when I was incarcerated, that I was talking to some guys that I had friends in there that had restaurants and had food trucks, and I realized I, I found out that the restaurant, I mean, the food truck was the easiest way to get, to get your foot in the door. It's less overhead, uh, less expensive, so I went that route first, and you can only go so far with a food truck. So, and, and you know, in the winter times, you're kind of depending on Mother Nature, and even when the weather's right, if it's storming, you know, it's a lot of things that can in, in, impact whether you work or not that day, depending on the weather. So, like I said, I still love the food truck because we can move all around. You're not stuck in one spot. So with the food truck, we can go anywhere. But unfortunately, the first food truck we had, it was a, it was a, it's a 1984 step-on tool truck. And it's pretty old, so it's like we, we don't go too far in it. So, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, we could go up to like 30, 30 miles outside of Omaha, and it's been pretty good. So we have a we have a second truck we're working on that should be ready by next month. It's going to be called uh, a Taste of New Orleans Seafood Express. We're going we're going to strictly focus on uh, seafood, uh, crawfish balls, crab legs, you know, potato, the basic you know seafood ball thing, and we're going to uh, uh, introduce that uh, next month sometime. So I'm looking forward to doing uh, concentrating more on seafood. That's a, that's the new thing. Everybody like eating seafood now, so we're going to see, see how that goes. So what's your experience in doing that? I mean, there are obviously seafood items on a Taste of New Orleans menu right now. You can get shrimp or, mm-hmm. or catfish, you know, uh, I think tilapia as well. But, like, how are, how, how are you expanding culinarily with this new truck? The new truck is strictly going to be seafood. It's not going to be no fried foods. It's going to be, you know, basically a healthy options because uh, – yeah, nothing fried is going to be on it. So it's just going to be, you know, boiled shrimp, boiled crawfish, crabs, snow crabs with with all the fixings on it. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to see how it goes. Everybody always – we actually used to do crawfish balls off the truck, but that was when we first started, and I would, I would kind of overdo it and wouldn't sell it all and wind up, you know, so it wasn't really – uh, it didn't really work out back then. I, I think I was overestimating the, the market, and I wasn't uh, – we wasn't as known as we are now, so – Right now, everybody's been, been been asking about seafood balls, seafood balls, but it's kind of hard to do when you got so much stuff, so much other stuff on your menu, and we only in a we in a shared kitchen space right now. But hopefully, in the next few months, we'll have a, you know we have a second brick and mortar location. 
Oh wow! All kinds of exciting stuff. Yeah, it's a lot out. of yeah, it's a lot of things we got in the works, you know. So, and the main thing is just is about building a good team, you know. So it's hard to find the right people to put in the right spots, but that's that's just kind of what's taking us a little longer than what we expected, but it's definitely coming. So before all this exciting stuff happened, I want to go back to when you first opened the truck and like, you know, you're all excited. This idea that you have is finally coming to life. Mm-hmm. What was what was the first day that you opened the truck like? What do you remember about that day? I remember good. Well, the first day, like I said, I didn't know nothing about the business. Everybody was telling me, like, how you start the business without, you know, getting consultation. I'm just like, I'm just trusting God or whatever. And I, I know it ain't going to fail, but I, I literally went into it not knowing much, just Googling what I can, researching, talked to a few food truck owners in the city. But the first day, uh, I, my, me and my partner's goal was to make $250, and we thought that was good back then, $250 a day, but we weren't thinking about expenses, gas, and all that. So, And we actually wound up making, our first day we made $400, so we thought that was a, a huge <laughs> success, you know. So, But looking back on it now, $400 would be a bad day, a horrible day. <laughs> yeah. but, but when you don't know the business, you know, you, you just happy that you get your foot in the door and you're making some money. So it, it slowly grew, and, and like I said, we, we constantly learning day by day. It's July would be eight years we had the food truck. And so that, uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm literally still learning everyday things to make the business better. Well, I think that's that's like the most important thing is that as long as you enter something, even if you don't know a lot, if you admit that you don't know a lot and right. you're willing to learn, right. that's how you can really get better and improve. And that's how you survive when you don't know how to right. do things. If you're willing to say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to work as hard as I can to figure it out and clearly you did. Um, How much of a blessing was it for you to bring this style of food that is so important to you to like a different group of people who hadn't experienced it yet for like for most people who visited a taste of new Orleans, their first real taste of new Orleans cooking was from your truck. Like that's a special feeling. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was a great feeling, especially when you see the the look on, like I said, when, when, when I cook at home and people like it, they enjoy it. But they're used to that. So up here, it was a big difference. Like, like there's more of a wow factor from, like, wow, I, you know, I never had this before and this, you know. So it was just like a, I say, like 10 times more than seeing somebody in New Orleans I cook something for because it, it's good to them, but they can go somewhere else and find something that's good. But when, when I do it up here, they're like, I never had this in my life. This is amazing. So it was more of a wow factor up here that, that, had me, that kept me going. Even to this day, people get new customers come in and say they never had this, never, you know. And, and that's what keep me go keep me motivated. That's awesome. Yes. Um and obviously, you know, growing up in New Orleans, I'm sure that Hurricane Katrina was a very painful experience for you just to see your home city, you know, in that state and it's still healing even right. to this day. Yes, sir. Did cooking that style of food and bringing that joy to people like you just talked about, was that something that kind of helped you heal a little bit from that experience? Yeah, definitely. Definitely cuz uh if it wasn't for Hurricane Katrina, I probably would still be in New Orleans. So, and, and I probably wouldn't be cooking in New Orleans because, like I said, it was so much. So you could go anywhere, to, any direction to find some good food. But up here, it just, I, I, you know, I knew I was going to stand out, and I knew I can do do my thing up here. So that was it for me, you know. Um, now, hanging out in a food truck, like on its face, it just. I think a lot of people just have this idea that it's just like, oh, it's a fun time. You know, we're just we're just cooking up food. We're selling it out of a window. And, mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of vibe that I think movies like uh, the movie Chef and um, mm-hmm. several other movies kind of give off. And that it's a very fun experience. Right. And, you know, it's it's all just a joy. 
And that's not exactly reality. Can you can you peel back the curtain a little bit and tell us a little bit more about what the reality of owning and operating a food truck is like? Now, don't get me wrong. You do have some good times on that. For sure. Know? And, and Especially when you got the right crew on and everybody's performing at the way it's supposed to be. But... If one person on the on the, on your crew could throw everything off. They having a bad day and don't let it affect their day. But the food truck, it, it's hard work. Ain't ain't no getting around about it. But if you love what you do, you you don't mind working hard. So it's just a uh, it's just basically just staying focused on customer service. That's the main thing. You know, your main job is to make the customer happy. So as long as you focus on customer service, you know, it, it's good. No matter. In the summertime, it get it gets hard because it's, it's it gets so hot. Like if it's ninety eight degrees outside, it's gonna be at least eight degrees hotter on the inside of that truck. So that's that's the most complicated times of working on the food truck is in, is in, in an extreme heat. But like in the fall, the spring, it's not you know it's it's a, it's a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the hardest part with the uh, with the truck is when when the, when the heat is severe and you're still trying to serve the customers the same quality, even though your working conditions are not. As good as you want them to be. Other than the sense. other than the heat, what do you think was the most important thing you learned during the first couple of years of operating the truck that you wish you could go back and tell yourself then? Uh, how to manage your costs. Like I, I had no idea how, how costs was supposed to be. Like when we first started, I just was doing it off of a street mentality. Like if I if I spend two hundred dollars, as long as I make four hundred dollars, that's good. But that was totally wrong. Like you, <laughs> you want to make at least three times what you put in for uh, labor, supplies, and uh, labor supplies, food costs, whatever it is. But once I started doing my research, I realized just doubling your money was you know you ain't gonna go too far just doubling your money. So in a lot of items, you really quadrupling five times your money if you really do the math on it. You know, so that was my biggest mistake: not knowing how to uh, how to figure out expenses and adjust my prices. Like we when we first started off, for example, my jambalaya I used to sell for five dollars. The same jambalaya I sell right now is eight dollars. You know, but I didn't know what I was doing. Uh huh. Yeah. Know, so food costs. Yeah. Right. So food costs, and, you know, and basically the food cost wasn't big, that big of a difference. But I just thought doubling my money was good until I went to learn. I'm like, somebody told me like you're giving this away for just, you're not selling this for what it's worth. You know. Mm-hmm. So just educate myself on. Uh, on the restaurant business, you know, because like I said, when I went in, I went into it blindly. <laughs> so, you know, you've talked about you obviously had, you know, a pretty steep learning curve oh, yeah. to, to get all this figured out. At what point did you start to feel like, okay, I've got a good handle on this. Like, I'm not having something new hit me every day where mm-hmm. I need to figure it out, but I've I've got a, an operation here that I feel very comfortable with. I'm, I know what I'm doing. Like, when did you get to that point? Uh, I think my third year. We started in 2013. I think 2016 is when I uh, I really started honing in and really. Cause when I first started, I was like my pride wouldn't let me go talk to people. Like I, 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 you, I was ashamed to go to ask somebody how to do this and who, how to do that. And I'm starting a business or something that I should know. So I was just like trying to figure it out on my own. And after two years of that, I'm like, this ain't working. I should we should be doing better than this. And I started going reach out to some people and they educated me on a lot of things and, and it really helped me out a lot. So I say my third year, that's when I really started getting better at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And not going on the eight year, I'm still learning, but I know a lot more now than I did back then. Right. I, I think it's going to be a, 
an ongoing, constant learning experience in the restaurant business because things are really changing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with COVID and everything right. going on. Everybody's relearning right now. Right, right, exactly. Um, now, obviously, a taste of New Orleans at this point, like you said, in the eighth year of operation, has built up a pretty good following. People know what it is. If they see the truck, it's like, okay, there we go. That That's some right. legit Cajun food there. But, you know, that wasn't the case when you first started, especially with you, you know, being from New Orleans, you didn't have – a bunch of relationships built up here with, right. you know, with other people that um, could maybe help get out the word for you. And, and owning a food truck is not as simple as just pulling up on a corner and here come the masses, you right, know? Right. So how, how did you initially get out the word and, and let people know about this place? Cause I know like once people start eating the food, then you kind of get that right. word of mouth word and of then mouth. the snowball gets rolling. But how did you get that initial surge of people in? Well, the initial surge was uh, my business partner is actually from here, Montoya Jones. And so that, she's my business partner. And she, it was basically her family and friends. And we have, me, we advertised on Facebook. And uh, and actually our first, the first the person that gave us the first chance to park on their property was uh, Mr. Canfield, Rick Canfield. Like, we went to a lot of spots, and they were telling us maybe they'd get back with us. But my partner went and talked to Mr. Canfield, and I know he he, he, gave, he gave us our first shot. And, and to this day, this is our, that's still our home base where we had parked the truck and we ain't got nowhere else to go. And it and it, and it, and it passed down, I want to say this is the fifth owners they didn't had now, but every owner, every time the building sells, they know about us. Like the first time he sold it, he told us he was selling, he came talk to us and he was like, I'm moving to Arizona, but I told the owner about y'all and he knows, so don't worry about it. And then every time a new owner changed, they would come talk to us, say, well, we know about y'all. And, you know, you know, one of them asked uh, for us to pay some rent. And I was like, it's no problem. But they never came back and followed up on it. So it was just amazing how just from how that word of mouth just passed down from Mr. Canfield that, uh, it, you know, like right now, I don't know who owned it, but Goodwill, they got a building up there now. And uh, even when they came, somebody came to the truck and talked to us. And we hadn't been out in a while. So, and they didn't have no problem with us being there, you know. So, and that's basically how canfield became our home base mm-hmm. now you mentioned a little bit earlier moving into the brick and mortar scene and the food truck is still in operation and like you said you're starting up a second food truck but in the summer of 2020 you got an opportunity to move into that shared space with ted and wally's right. uh in benson how did that opportunity arise uh, that came uh i met joe i think at the second or third year we had out maybe the fourth year uh, somebody had given me his number to call could, when, when, before he opened that spot up. He used to let food trucks park in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so I called him up and I'm like, hey, how you doing? My name is Chef Lee with Taste New Orleans. Uh, such and such, give me your number. He was like, hey, what's going on? He was like, oh, I just want to know, do I have permission? Do you, would you mind if we park in the lot? How much would you charge? He was like, oh, I wouldn't charge nothing. You know, just go ahead and park. So he, and from that day on, we, 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 we always had a good relationship. And he had some buddies. He had a, that when he built that kitchen, it started off. The first one was in there was uh, it was called Locomotive. They used to be in. They, they, they was the first one inside that shared kitchen space. There's some guys that he went to school with, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out, and they wound up moving out. And I had contacted them about us getting it then when they first moved out, but it was it was they left all the equipment in, and I didn't have the money to because he wanted someone to purchase the equipment then move in. I didn't have the money, so uh, Big Green Q moved in there, and they stayed there about. Two years, I believe, and then when I heard they was moving out, I went and talked to Joe again about it, and, and then it worked out. You know, he was, you know, he didn't, I didn't have to buy the equipment. I just gave the first month lease and deposit, and then he let me move in, and it's been been a good partnership ever ever since. You know, and 
he also meant in like any problems I got any questions you know he he's like a good mentor to me so it ain't like he's just my landlord you know want my money my rent money but he he, he literally he literally teaching me everything I need to know about running the restaurant business I got a lot of supplies he deal with that he passed on to me to make it easy for me so having him as a mentor has really been been a big help to us now it's a big step for most food trucks to move from the truck environment into a brick and mortar right. I know you just mentioned you kind of had Joe as, as the mentor to kind of help you get into that, but how, how did you know that you were ready to take that step? I didn't know. I just tried. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize how big of a difference it was. You see, on a food truck, we just got two fryers, a three-well steam table, refrigerator. So on a food truck, the, the cook is on it, frying whatever needs to be fried. You got your steam table. Everything is in within six feet of you. In the kitchen – you moving now? Now we got a flat grill, so we we cooking stuff on a flat grill. Now we got a full burner stove, so it opens up your menu, but it also opens up the moving and the quickness that you had to have to do it. So, like one one, I can have one cook on a food truck, and he can handle everything because you know it's right here. But in, in the restaurant, I mean, I I can handle it. I done did it by myself a few times. Somebody called in, but you're going to earn your money. That day. <laughs> yeah. So ideally, you want two people in that kitchen where, you know, you got somebody frying, somebody working the grill, you know. So it was just it was just more more cooking options that we had. So it was a lot more moving around and, a lot you know, a lot more uh, things we had to do to, to, get the, to get the meals out the window. Mm-hmm. I've had chefs come on here and talk about the dance almost that you develop with people in the kitchen where yeah. you you learn each other's movements Ooh, so you're right. not crashing into each other all the time but that takes time it to develop time, that's right. not easy and, and, and both of my chefs that work with me uh I, I used to be 320 but i lost a lot of weight uh you look great thank you thank you i got my uh my head chef he's 6'3 like 320 pounds and my other chef he's uh he's short but he's still like 200 and something pounds so it's all big guys in the kitchen, and we all just move around each other, and we, and we try to focus like, okay, if I'm doing a friend, you work there, where we just pass each other the stuff. But sometimes they do got to intertwine, and like I said, just like like dancing. Mm-hmm. So never had no problems nobody bumping each other, dropping food, or anything. So that's the important thing, right? Exactly. Now you mentioned that moving into the brick and mortar gave you an opportunity to expand the menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, how so? Uh, it's a, like on the truck, all we had was fried fish, fried shrimp, fried chicken. Now at the restaurant we offer blackened shrimp, blackened you know we offer blackened seafood, grilled seafood. Uh, we do blackened chicken, so so that's basically is more. Uh, it ain't just fried. Now you got healthier options on the menu, and we also have sides on a food truck. We didn't have room to have sides like we may have gumboys, a special one day. I always had pulled pork and pulled chicken, like pulled boys and loaded fries. Now, in, in, in the restaurant, you know, we have you know we have smothered green beans. We do uh, candied yams, uh, uh, Cajun corn. So we we can rotate all different type of sides to go to go with the meals now. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 another benefit of being you know because you have more space and more equipment that you can put your food on. Was that were those dishes something that you'd always wanted to do? Like ideal state, those are things that you really wanted to bring to Omaha, but you just didn't have the capacity inside the truck? Right. When I built the truck, I actually, I didn't know what I was doing then. If I knew what I knew now, I would have had, I would have had a, the two fryers and a flat grill on it. I think you at least need a flat grill even if you don't have a full, a full burner stove because everybody don't like fried food. Some people love seafood, but they want it in a healthier, in a healthier option. So if we have any other food truck, I get that's the seafood truck, there's no cooking equipment on that. Everything is just boiled seafood on a steam table, no cooking on it. But if I ever get another truck, I would like to have a put a uh, 
put a flat grill on it along with the two fries. That way you can offer seafood grilled or fried. Mm-hmm. I think just when you offer fried seafood, you miss a lot of customers because a lot of people like healthier options now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, you guys did a very good job of announcing, uh, you know, the opening of the brick-and-mortar space. And I think Ted and Wally's did a really good job, yeah, too, he, of he really— got me a lot with that. Yeah, so, get, yeah, getting the word out, and that was right. awesome. But I imagine that there were some people who, you know, weren't clued into that, and they just stepped into Ted and Wally's to get some ice cream or something. And all of a sudden, they're hit with all right. this mm-hmm. this delicious, you know, these delicious smells and everything. And they're probably going, what is going—like, right. like, what is this? Did you yeah. see that early oh, on? Yeah. Still see it to this day. I was unloading, doing some shopping today. Had some people came in. Uh, they're from Omaha, but they had been out of town or something. They came back. And like, when did how long y'all been in here? You know, so literally every day you still get people coming in just, just seeing, seeing about uh, us being inside Ted and Wallace. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people still come in if they hadn't been there in a while, and, and they'd be surprised. You know, like we definitely would be back. We didn't know y'all was here, and that's a good idea. So, been a lot of good feedback on it. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, you know, we we kind of talked about fried foods a little bit earlier, and um, just you know, that's not something that everyone is always looking for because they're looking for healthier options. But I would actually say, like, obviously, fried food isn't healthy, but I would say. Your fried food, from what I've experienced, is some of the lighter feeling fried food that I've eaten, the shrimp and the, the catfish and, and things like that. So many times when you eat fried food, like it tastes great, but you just feel you like, feel it. Yeah. yeah, you feel loaded down for yeah. the next couple hours. And that is not how I feel eating your food at all. So I'm not like, I'm not asking you to like give me the secrets to you oh, know, your it, recipe it, it, or no anything, secret, but, but like, how, how do you achieve that delicious, crispy fried food without? Making somebody feel like they need to take a nap. And see, I think what it is, like when people use an egg wash, that, that, because people use an egg wash to hold more batter on. And, and I tried it with, with uh, they use buttermilk. They put it in buttermilk, it, it makes you hold more of the crust on it. So I don't use either one. I just make, I just make sure, like, I keep the fish seasoned and, like, and it always, it always be like a little moist. So just a little water moist on it. And I, I put it straight into the, to the batter so you don't have all that heavy. It's not as heavy as the crust on it, so and that that does make it, uh, you know, a little healthier, you know, because you don't have as much batter on it. But whenever you dip it in buttermilk or uh, uh, egg wash, the, the coating will be thick on it. So that was my philosophy of getting around to have a, a lighter coat and it still be crispy. So it cut out a cut out a little calories for you. It makes you yeah, it makes you feel responsible. Yeah, a little You're responsible. eating healthy fried food. Right, healthy fried. <laughs> uh, there you go. What what is your key to achieving a great blackening season? I tried making mine several times. Mine is not good at all. I, I use I use Zatarain's blackening season. Okay, and there's there's a, it's great, and like I said, it's, you don't have to. Uh, now with blackening season, you, you have to put a coat of butter or margarine on it for to get to get that effect you want. So that's the only unhealthy thing to it that you got to put. A, I put a real light coating on it, and you sprinkle. You know, you season it both sides, and it just give it that perfect blackening color and. So that's that's my secret, Zatarain's uh, blackness season. So, I, see, I find that so interesting because I feel like a lot of restaurants that I go to, when I order something blackened off the menu, like I just I don't like I I don't know if I'm getting something really blackened. You know, I th- okay. I feel like it's just kind of heavy on pepper, and you know, yeah, it, no. it it's maybe some commercial blackened seasoning, but it's it doesn't really taste all that authentic. And now even you, mm. someone who's very experienced in this style of cooking, say, it's really hard to make this. What, what is it so, like, what makes blackening seasoning so hard to just really hit that mark with? 
I think it's the uh, it's the right blend of the paprika and 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 cayenne because if that's that's what give it the the the, the Dalton color on it. When you put when you put the, uh, the the paprika, paprika, garlic powder, salt, pepper, you put to mix them all together equally. Like I said, I, I tried it. I did mine and I did that one, and, and Zatarain's just looked better for me. <laughs> now, there been times that I didn't have it; it take too long to come in, and I would use mine, and it wouldn't hear no complaints. But just me personally, me tasting, I know this one tastes better and look better. So whenever I, I try to make sure I keep it, I try to make sure I don't run out of it. Uh, last question I got to ask you about your food. Yes, sir. Every time you guys run the soft shell crab special, mm-hmm. I, I see that on Facebook or Instagram. I'm just like, man, I want that again because I've had it a couple times and it is so good. Why aren't more people serving soft shell crabs? Is it like, is it hard to source them? Is it hard to cook them? Because they're absolutely delicious, but you don't see them on many menus. Right. I, I don't know. Like the shelf life, if you don't sell them, quick the shelf life is not long i think they only last like four or five days so I, I i only throw out a little bit at a time but it, it don't take long to throw out so with me whenever i have it it's, it always do good you know that and the frog legs i just run them as a special you know i, I would like to have it the frog legs on the menu every day because it's basically just like chicken but just don't have the the, the coolest place i need to keep it and you know keep it on the shelf every day so i just i just run it as a special mm-hmm. now you mentioned those specials you guys run a different special if every not, day. If, okay, yeah, every day. day. I was gonna say, if not every day, almost every day, but it is every day. Yeah, every day we do something different. How do you how do you come up with those? How do you keep coming up with new ideas to to serve something fresh all the time? Well, a lot of them not new ideas. It's just different ideas, different menu items we used to do on the truck, like the soft leg crabs that was new, the the frog legs was new, but as far as like jambalaya, the gumbo, uh, shrimp and grits. Uh, I haven't did eight two faces. We've been in the restaurants. So I may be working on that soon. But most of most of the, the specials we run now, there's been things that we did on the food truck. And like I said, I added a few specials. Uh, like we, we we did like my uh, my head chef now. He do, he's from Memphis and he does a uh, he does a, a Alfredo, a chicken Alfredo that did good. I let him do his feature one day and that re- went really good. So uh, I'm trying to introduce more specials. But basically, we just been just replaying the same ones we've been doing. So it's basically just like the jambalaya, gumbo, red beans and rice, shrimp and grits, etouffee. But I want to start doing like more uh, seafood dishes, more uh, like uh, I, got, I got an idea for a bayou pasta that I'm going to introduce with, with alligator, crawfish, and shrimp. You know, combine all them with with, with, uh, with Alfredo sauce. And, and I think that's going to be a big hit too because – you know, people like alligator. I, I just I, I wasn't too familiar with it, but I, I ate it a few times, but it wasn't my favorite. But a, a lot of customers asking about alligator literally at least two, three times a week. So Oh really? Oh yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead on and, and see how they like that. Well that pasta sounds delicious. Yes, sir. Thank you. So obviously a taste of New Orleans is it's expanding a lot very quickly. You've still sure. got the first food truck in operation. You've mm-hmm. got this brick and mortar inside Ted and Wally's. You mentioned the second food truck is, you know, it's in motion. You mentioned maybe even a second brick and mortar could be in the works. Something that I've talked to chefs about before is there's kind of a, when they start opening multiple concepts or multiple locations, there's, there's a little bit of an internal struggle in that they're, they're really excited to get to share their food with more people, Mm -hmm. but it's also really hard for them to take something that's so like personal and important to them. Yeah. And have like someone else represent it. So like for instance, when you're working in the brick and mortar, you can't be out on the food truck. You have to entrust someone else. Like right. when when patrons come to that truck, they think 
they're getting your food, food and you have Correct. to trust someone else to serve your food mm-hmm. to them. And if they screw up, so it looks me. bad on you. Correct. How, how do you develop relationships with those people that you can trust them to take your vision and your cooking and deliver that to other people? Right. Well, the, as far as the truck, my partner runs down, and she started with me from the beginning, so she literally knows just so about everything. I, yeah. Yes, I trust her. She can't cook everything I can cook with the base. Whatever she can't cook, I cook it for her, and then she'll just pick it up and put it on the truck. So with her on the truck, I'm, I'm good. And as far as the, uh, and at the restaurant, my plan is that the, the guys that, I, that, that I'm working with now is to train them to where I don't have to be there. Like, I can go on the truck and do it, and, and they can hold it down there because that's what they, they used to. They've been, like I said, my head chef, he's been with me for about five months now, so I'm very confident that he, he like, if I'm, not, if I'm not, I can leave if he there. He's the only one that I trust to leave. If, if I had to go somewhere, he there, I feel comfortable with him. And I also have a son that's in college. Uh, he started, I think he was eight years old when we started on the food truck, so he, he learned the business growing up, so... He, he, that's not what he want to do for a career. But he want to be a police officer. But as long as he's in school, every time he come home, he in the kitchen. Put him to work. Put him to work. <laughs> and I can leave him in there. He, he run it just like when I'm there. So so between me, my son, and my head chef, I think we'll be okay. That's fantastic. For, for us keeping the standard and the quality the same. Well, um, I, I really thank you for your time. Uh, this has been fantastic, Chef Lee. I do have two more questions that I like to ask most guests that come in here just kind of about the restaurant industry as a whole. And the first one is, what's something, as someone who works inside the restaurant industry, what's something that you wish more diners understood about working in restaurants? Which I wish more diners understood. That is not as easy as it look. You know, it's a lot of, like, sometimes, like, as a a patron, I know what it is to get a meal that's not, that, that you don't like. But, you know, you have to understand, like, people make mistakes. And a lot of diners, if you, if you mess up their meal, they just go off, you know. So it's, it's, it's behind the scenes, it's, and there's no excuse for the gift, not to give the customer what they want. But my ideal thing would be if, if, if a mistake is made on your food, just know it, was, it, it wasn't intentionally done. And, right. it, you know, this was an honest mistake, and we'll do whatever we can to correct it. Just, so basically just more understanding of what it takes to get their food to them the way they want it, you know. So that would be my, my, one of the things I would say. I never understand people that just go online and leave like bad reviews. And it's like, do you think the restaurant is trying to serve you bad right. food? That, that, that's like the worst business model possible. Right. I've never understood that mentality. Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes you can have, say, like if you have a, well, you got to make sure everybody in, that's on your team is, has good customer service. It could be, the, they, you, can, you can make a mistake on somebody's food. And then, and at the same time, the person who they, who they took their order, if they got a bad attitude, so it's already starting off wrong. So you literally got to make sure everybody on your team, from the person who's talking to the customer to the person who's putting the food out, got great customer service skills. Because I, I always tell my team, the customer is always right. No matter what they say, just, oh, yes, sir, we're going to fix it. Even if they're not, they're always right. Because without them, we wouldn't be in business. So that's, that's what I emphasize to them. Like, I don't care what it is. They right. Whatever they want to fix it, let's fix it. I take that on my end, and and they, they got to understand that because without the customers, you can't do nothing. You know, right? That's right. my philosophy. Exactly. And we're going to end here on a positive note. What is your favorite thing, or what do you absolutely love about being in the restaurant industry? What What brings you back into the kitchen every day? Just seeing the smile on people's faces when they when they enjoy your food. Like that's that's the best thing to me. It's like when you see the smile on somebody's face, and even even they don't know you. Like customers leave off, we be busy. They'd be trying to get your attention, and a cashier might call like chef, and the customer would be like, 
You know, they just give you a sign. Just, and, and yeah. just to see the look on their face that they enjoy it and, 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 and happy when they leave. That, that's what do it for me, a happy customer. Has that been something that's been harder with, with COVID now that, you know, so much of so much of dining is takeout or even when people eat in, they have masks? Well, I guess they take masks off to eat. Yeah, so. you can take your mask off when you eat, when you get up, put it back on. So yeah. But even when we, we was just – when I first moved in with Joe, it was just takeout, you know, but people still would always uh, – they just was always happy, you know, just to see them. They was glad to see us grow and moving, you know, get, uh, growing. And so that that's that's my that's my inspiration and motivation. Just seeing the the, the customers' faces and the, the, when they send you messages saying how good this was and thank you and that's that's what do it for me. That's beautiful. And I, I know that you know every time I've eaten at to Taste of New Orleans, that's the feeling that I've gotten. Where I'm just right. like, oh man, this is this is delicious. This is something mm-hmm. special. So uh, listeners. If you want to try some legit Cajun Creole food, this is a wonderful place to go. You can find the food truck. You can visit uh, Benson, the Benson location inside Ted Wallet. Grab some ice cream. After you have the shrimp po' boy, what could be better than that? dessert. You can't beat it. Perfect. Chef Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your Uh, time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. As always, Omaha, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.